Welcome to Inside Parliament, a weekly catch-up with the stories that we've been covering on One News. We are coming to you from the legendary Beehive studio again, um, but there's just two of us this week. <laughs> just Andrew Bad luck, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the big story of the week, obviously, was... National Party leadership. Yeah, should we take a look Let's at the Let's have track? a look at the tracks. Stepping up to the toughest job in politics, National's new leader, Simon Bridges. This morning I was humbled by the support of my colleagues to become the 12th leader of the New Zealand National Party. But it wasn't a clear run to victory. In a secret meeting, National MPs had to vote twice before Mr Bridges was confirmed. It's been respectful, uh, even friendly, and I'm very confident uh, from the messages I've already received in the caucus that we're going to get in uh, behind myself. A contest to be his deputy followed, with a defeated leadership contender, Judith Collins, making a late bid. And obviously Paula Bennett was elected as the leader. Beyond that, can I say, I'm not going to get into the details and do a post-mortem. Both Stephen and I really enjoyed ourselves, and uh, we think that the process was excellent. Unity was the message of the day. I'm enormously proud that he's our leader. I think he'll be a fantastic leader of the National Party, and I'm behind him all the way. We like each other, and so we're collegial, we're friendly, uh, and everybody, I think, is happy. But now, with Mr Bridges planning a reshuffle, who should be worried about holding on to their jobs? He gave no guarantee that leadership rival Stephen Joyce will keep the shadow finance portfolio. I can't say to you at the moment who's going to be the finance uh, spokesman. I look forward to, uh, as I'm sure every colleague does, discussing with a new leader. Mr Bridges says he'll take National to victory in the 2020 election, but Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's not worried. He does bring a new generation of leadership to the National Party. There's, there's no denying that. Uh, but look, I'll treat him the same as I would any new leader of the National Party. As National's first Māori leader, Mr Bridges wants to appeal to young urban Māori. I don't think Māori are the same today uh, uh, as they have been in the past. Voters in his Tauranga electorate says battling Jacinda Mania is a big ask. They needed to combat the age age thing with, um, with Jacinta. Oh, I think she's just got the X factor and um, you know she knows what people want. But for now, Simon Bridges and Paula Bennett are just what the National Party wants. It was almost like, ah, oh, they chose Simon Bridges. That was so boring. I yeah. was so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, so they did, it, they did it by tweet. So um, in a way to um, circumvent the media, and they made things very difficult for us yesterday, um, they announced it on social media. So we were all scrolling down, frantically refreshing, and then it was Simon Bridges. And, that was and a Paula mass, Bennett. And Paula it Bennett. Like a, Such an anticlimax. Yeah. So boring. And they, I mean, they a quirky thing yesterday was that they put out, um, <laughs> they papered over with blue paper, of course, uh, the windows that you can see through the doors into the caucus room or into their corridor. Uh, and so that the media couldn't see through. Now, that's perfectly, they're entitled to do what they want. But, you know, we have spent, Andrew and I have spent many years in those corridors standing outside those doors while Labour had leadership. I know, I can't issues, remember. I can't repeated remember ones. And, yeah. they, and, they, and they never did that. And I did actually ask why National did it. And apparently it's because they had people, because of the way their voting works, they had people coming in and out of the room as the voting happened. And if we had been able to see in there, we would have seen the people who were coming in and out, including, I think, the person who was the first to drop out, we would have actually been able to see. And that's why oh, they didn't want us to on, see. That, Apparently, anyway. That but sounds they, like making excuses after the fact. I, I mean, I, I mean, it's really not a big deal for you guys. I, I'm, 
you know, hampering the media isn't a big issue to the public, I know. But I think it, the way that they have behaved recently, it, it says a lot about, I, I think they're really struggling to come to terms with the fact that they're, they're in opposition. opposition. And they no, they no longer command media attention. They really have to work for it because they're the opposition party. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just a small symptom of, of, the, of them just slowly trying to accept that or not being able to accept that they're no longer in power. And I think that's something that, that Simon Bridges actually needs to face and think about. And he hasn't been in opposition before. And he he they need to recognise and deal with the fact that they are in opposition now and start acting like it and start treating the public and the media and themselves like it and, and change the way of thinking, change mm-hmm. the way they do things. Even sitting in select committees, I know it's plenty of but even sitting in select committees, it's quite strange at the moment. I was I was just in the Housing New Zealand Select Committee, for instance, and they're in a strange position where what they're asking about in annual reports is stuff that was the annual reports for when they were in government. And they're trying to ask questions, and I noticed it in the police one last week, they're trying to ask questions about throwing forward to what the current government is doing but actually they can't answer, really no. answer that about a, what about the future they're in a difficult position because they they still have to take responsibility for a lot of the things that have gone wrong on their watch so yeah but anyway so Simon Bridges what, what do we what do we think I mean I, I guess I mean I suppose there was a lot a lot of narrative about Judith Collins and how she's the ideal opposition leader and she was popular with the public and etc cetera, etc cetera. but I think I think what we got a little flavour. I mean, we we all have seen it obviously in the house from day to day. But he he, do, he has a bit of mongrel and a bit of a tack dog in him. I think I think he's got that covered. Absolutely, yeah. No, it won't be. But he is going up against Jacinda Ardern, who doesn't react. Although she did yesterday, she did fire back at him, and she clearly had decided that's a way to to respond to him. And they know each other well, which mm. will probably help help both of them. Yeah, they they know how the other one operates. I can see. I mean, I can see why. I, in some ways, I can see why they chose him. He's young, attractive. He's got the new generation thing. He's 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 got. But he's been a minister, so he yeah, you know, he does got have the experience. But he's not he's not popular with women. He's not popular with the rural base. I think he's. I mean, inevitably, the polls are going to fall. They were always going to fall when Bill English left because he was hugely popular, popular and hugely recognisable. Um, I think Simon Bridges. I I don't think the caucus really have their head around how difficult the next couple of years are going to be and whether they stick by him. That's going to be whether question. he's still the leader in twenty twenty. Yeah. I think he also um needs to be careful not to come across as patronising, both yes. about women and about Maori. A couple of the comments he made. Uh, and on his first day, you could sort of, you know, he said it, talking about Jacinda Ardern, he said, oh, she's, you know, she's nice and she's lovely and everyone likes her. And then went on to attack her government. But it was the way he said it mm. that that comes across as being almost like he's patting her on the head. And when he talks about Maori, he talks about they, not us. And so. Yeah, and, and Māori, you know, there's a lot of talk about him being the first national Māori leader, which is great. Uh, both him and Paula Bennett, they almost represent the entire Māori caucus and national now in yeah, the leadership team. And I, and but the way he, they're it. not, no, they're not. And they've never made a big deal out of no. it. They need, in fact, I, you know, when I talked to him um, and asked him about it, I didn't know where he, he was from. I didn't know what his iwi was. Mm. I didn't know how much of a connection he had. He, he talked about going to Waitomo to his, uh, to where his grandmother was from. But I'd never heard him talk about that before. 
before. No, he barely speaks a word of Te Reo. No, and he said he said I did ask him about this. He said he can he can do his mahi if he needs to, but he doesn't know much more than that. And Bill English put a lot of effort into that, mm-hmm. and and you spend a lot of time on Marae as a politician, and mm-hmm. he probably does need to think about how he's going to do that. And and the other and massive... works on his pronunciation. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with his accent. Le- <laughs> not his accent. I'm not. I'm the last person who's going to criticise a Kiwi accent, a strong Kiwi accent. But his pronunciation, he does need to do some work on that. Many of us do. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. Everyone is, benefits everyone for us to. But but that is something that he he is probably going to have to become aware of and think a bit about. So we we, we saw yesterday they were 100 percent on message. It's almost like they had they were given post-it notes for. We are unified. We yes, are unified. We, are, we, we support the leader. Yeah. Except I, I Judith love, Collins' tweet was slightly different. Yeah, well, Judith Collins <laughs> is Judith Collins. Um, but I think, and we heard from MPs yesterday, you know, quietly telling us that um, that they have already had emails from the membership about the treatment of Judith Collins. So she, she clearly has a base. She clearly has popularity. She would have been the wrong choice because she would have torn the caucus apart. But I suspect that the caucus is in for a rough ride anyway. I, they're they're very conscious of presenting unity. They don't want to make the mistakes of Labour. Um, but there are a lot of disappointed people that Amy Adams didn't get the job. And, and a lot of them still don't think that Simon Bridges was the right person. So... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of tensions there, and, and I think we are going to start seeing them bubble to the surface. Yeah, the I've, I've seen some of those emails that the national MPs have received, and they're pretty nasty and pretty unhappy um, that that Judith Collins wasn't accepted, which shows how she is popular within yeah. the party, and whether she can stop herself from feeding into that exactly. over the next little while. And is, they're going to have to really bridge the gap with the South Island and the rural base because they do clearly feel that they're not not that Judith Collins represented the rural base in any way but but well you've got Simon Bridges and Tauranga and Paula Bennett and West Auckland both Westies both Westies both city people you don't have the, there's nothing rural about either of those no. two and then when Simon Bridges talks about changing how they do things on the on the environment then you know immediately farmers have alarm bells ringing what does that mean uh, and there's a lot of big issues that they're going to have to talk about he's going to have a little bit of a policy refresh but not too much and then the big reshuffle is, and so is the reshuffle be interesting because some of those South Island you've got to see well Amy Adams obviously fits into that base do we think she's going to get finance it's hard to tell from the way Bridges is talking I don't think he's made his mind up about that it's how happy he wants to keep Joyce really well I know that's the thing but then he really he he really needs to leave that era behind and put his own stamp on and that's what he's clearly saying he wants Mm. to do but do you if you know we all know Stephen Joyce wants finance wants to keep it Mm. you know he wouldn't be happy if he just got given economic development for instance Mm. he you know he he's going to be pitching for that does Amy Adams want finance though I mean everyone's assuming that maybe she's the one who will get it well does she necessarily yeah want it? I think she, she was she did have associate didn't she yes she's, yeah she yeah I think she's got um, and she did all the social investment stuff and yeah and I, yeah I think she would I mean it's a high profile job I think you know um but I suppose so we, we we've been thinking about who are the up-and-comers you know when he talks about um bringing through the talent and there are some real obvious standouts like I mean Mark Mitchell you know went for the he obviously. obviously Todd Miller Chris Bishop but the massive absence is the number of talented um women, women. with a high profile in the Nationals caucus it's, we actually we couldn't think of any aside that, from Amy Adams yeah but I mean in, in terms of the new the new intake Amy Adams clearly 
see. And the new. Can't think and of any, can you? <laughs> No. Mm. I mean, you wonder about Sarah Dowie because she's from Invercargill, so she yep. fits into that to that base. She's she's well liked. You have to think that she'll probably she's get hard. a bit of. Yeah, she works up. hard, but um, but I've never seen them push her no. forward no. and make a virtue of her of her virtues. I, you know, I I don't think she's really been backed as a performer or a talent. No, in, in and it's party. someone from that twenty fourteen intake, as opposed. You know, if I think of the new ones, Erica Stanford is talked about as as someone who's quite popular within the party, mm. and they see as go as doing well. But, but I, she's, she's not really. The door. Yeah, so she's not really. She, they're mm. not going to be giving her anything. And so. hierarchy is important. I mean, they do put a lot of store in in waiting for your time and promoting on intake and so yeah. who is there mm. see told you <laughs> <laughs> anyway should we have a look at the next piece which is uh 1984 where we were we born well we're not going to say are we <laughs> when we jim mcclay won the national party leadership Mr. McClay and Mr. Bolger emerged from the caucus room together after little more than an hour, indicating that voting had been decisive. Mr. McClay promised a new era in politics and immediately launched into an attack on the Labour government. Last night's uh, television poll told us very clearly that this Labour government is on the skids, uh, that we can win the next general election under new leadership, and that's what we've now got. We're going to win that election. What about you, Mr. Bolger? How do you feel about it all? Well, naturally, very pleased that the caucus has chosen me as deputy. I was seeking the uh, top job. I give my uh, unreserved assurance to Jim McClay. Of course, I'll work with him in every endeavour. Uh, I think it's been a very clean-cut election result, as Mr McClay has said. Both ballots were conclusive on the first ballot, and uh, that's a very tidy result. Sir Robert said he had no regrets about standing for the leadership. Now he's lost, he will relinquish all his spokesman's roles, but stay on, in his words, as an elderly backbencher. Oh, <laughs> don't say elder statesman. <laughs> They're dead. And party president Sue Wood said she's delighted at the outcome. A team the organisation wanted and will stand behind. The most distressing thing about that is, <laughs> is the fact that the camera didn't have a clear shot once. I know. And I that story went to air, we would lose our jobs if we put a story of that quality to air. I know. I, I, you, the only person that you could recognise is Rob Muldoon, and that's because Just of his, his voice. voice. <laughs> anyway, that uh, he wasn't leader for long, Jim McClay. In fact, I thought uh, until last week when we looked at that leadership, I thought Jim Bolger had been leader, but uh, he took over from Jim McClay. So does that bode uh, terribly for Simon Bridges? In that sense, well, I, suppose, <laughs> I mean, he, he never got to fight an election, right? Yeah, no. So, so <laughs> I'm sure Simon Bridges will last to 2020, but you never know. Oh, I don't, yeah, Things I wouldn't might look at what happened to Labour. You never know. But would Simon Simon Bridges will he win 2020? At this point, I would say he he's got a uphill battle for oh, that. Oh, huge, huge, huge the chances battle. Of various, yeah, I think if yeah. I was a betting woman, I probably probably wouldn't put my money on him. Uh, one of the things he has actually been quick to attack the government on and question the government on is on the provincial growth fund. Uh, let's have a look at my track from Friday. A big day for Shane Jones. The billion dollar fund is alive and well. As he launches his pet project, the Provincial Growth Fund. I'm not interested in coming back into politics and working with my two leaders unless we turn the fortunes around of the people that lie in the areas that don't necessarily enjoy the uplift of metropolitan economic activity. It's hoped the $61 million being spent on the first round of projects will create 700 jobs. The next round of funding will come in April. But National says today is just a re-announcement of developments it had already kicked off. The government raised very high expectations of a bonanza for regional development. 
I think the biggest project in here is a $9 million roundabout and rebranding a whole lot of existing programs. A number of them I know were being studied by Stephen Joyce and others, but the civic leaders themselves said, look, these are priorities that we've had, can you embrace them? The big spend-up comes with a message to regional mayors, lay the groundwork. I don't think it's unreasonable for me to say, our government's found the putia, I'm a champion for the provinces, but meet me halfway. It's in the council's and in the region's interest to make this work. It's a fantastic opportunity, so we will be collaborating. People in Hawke's Bay appear happy with the upgrade to the Wairoa Napier rail line. I think the main benefit is getting the trucks off the road. It's good to have the drains going that way again. Because there's some beautiful views there. Mayors too welcoming the news. What it offers us is hope that we can actually continue to pursue our dreams. Of course it's not just about economic development but it also it's a, a major step forward to us addressing our social issues. Shane Jones has three years to show this project works, the electoral term. This is big money we're talking about here and he needs to see the provinces growing, he needs to see more people in employment and training to show that this has made a difference. With ambition comes risk, with big bold plans to make a real difference comes risk. And another risk, Shane Jones' lofty goal of planting one billion trees. For the year coming up we are oversubscribed with people wanting to plant in partnership their land in, in pine trees. The government now hoping its blueprint will turn the tide for provincial New Zealand. Well, Simon Bridges is right in the sense that a lot of these projects had been started mm. or talked about under national, but that's, of course, no surprise. And when I asked the government about that last week, they said, well, they were things that were ready to go. If they wanted to get that money out there, a billion dollars a year. It's yeah. a stupid amount it of money. It is a lot of money, It's a huge yeah. amount of money. My, my sort of question on it was why they didn't, why didn't wait? Because this criticism was inevitable. Why didn't they come up with some fresh ideas? They didn't, didn't really need to roll it out so quickly. They'd indicated that they were going to do it. They didn't really need the PR. Shane Jones' baby. He wants, you know, he yeah, wants to... But I just feel like this is a theme of this government, that they keep rushing into things to get the publicity and capitalise on the honeymoon without thinking them through properly. Um, and that was one of the questions I had for Shane Jones, is, is are you sure, because you're putting all this pressure on for them to come quickly, and the next round is only in April, mm. so it's only another month or six weeks away, is are you concerned, are the right checks and balances in place to ensure that these projects are actually... I guess legitimate, you know, they aren't going well, to face gonna problems. Have, yeah, they're going to have, have tangible outcomes. Yeah, and how one, you know, where are the targets? How are you going to know that they're successful? Mm. And he says, well, if there's jobs created and, and, you know, fewer needs and so forth, then we know it's working and the regions are feeling better and they'll mm. tell us if they're not. But it's actually that the individual <coughs> projects, are they going to be, if people are in such a hurry to get them underway, are they actually going to be checking that, that the money isn't being wasted. Yeah. And I just you just can see from here in a year's time we're gonna find all this, you know, these projects where money has been Yeah. Yeah, or they haven't, got off, the they haven't got off the ground properly <clears throat> or whatever. Things like the key, you know, the Napier Wairua line, that's, you know, because Kiwi Rail is in, in charge, you'd see that should be okay. Yeah. But and yeah. but you you think that um, you know, some of these big budget projects need credible business plans and, you know, Analysis to make sure that they they are going to deliver what what, what they, they say. say on the tin. Um, I guess it's really interesting. Again, battle for the regions is going to be another theme. You can see Absolutely. Simon Bridges. I mean, it's a big passion of his. He was economic development minister. Um, 
and you can see you can see him already sharpening his knives and shaping his narrative around what's the point of developing regions to create jobs in the regions if you're going to um, cut small cut business jobs and immigration off and yeah at the knees with with um, as you say immigration and also the employment relations things that that Labour have in the pipeline. So yeah, we can, you can already see the narrative of 2020 election uh, starting to shape up. But I, th- I think well, hopefully we're going to be spending a lot more time in the regions now because because this is such both a big... parties are, are firmly fixed on it. And and national needs to be careful. And you could see that's why they've taken this line on immigration and employment relations and so forth because they don't want to be seen to be attacking the regions. They can't look. They can't be seen to be saying essentially that Kawakawa was failing. So why bother spending money there? Mm. And so and and because they made such a big deal out of it as well. And and obviously Northland. Uh, that all got kicked off with the Northland by-election. And those regions do feel neglected, and that's why a national lost Northland in the first place, Mm -hmm. and that was a massive wake-up call for for them Mm -hmm. to actually realise something needed to be done. Uh, But it's taken so long for anything to happen. Mm. It'd be interesting to see when we... I mean, they're they're doing the budget rounds at the moment. It'd be interesting to see if this is just a one-off... Um, what yeah, what they do, and 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 labour will if regions aren't feeling better in twenty twenty, mm. labour will suffer they as will. a result, Ab- and absolutely. so it's a big, you know, Shane Jones knows this. This is a big task ahead of him, yeah. and if it fails, that's his failure. But it doesn't. It also doesn't come down to a billion dollar growth program, though. It it also, um, it manifests itself in district health board funding and making sure that the hospital services are up to scratch and they're, and they're clearly not no. in many regions and also schools you know, and that there's houses for, and there's houses there for people to live in because if you look at uh, somewhere like Timaru for instance where they uh, Fonterra n- desperately needs staff and, and I've, I've done stories on this and they, they, they're looking for workers constantly down there there's not enough places for people to live mm. so it's all very well to create jobs and say to people hey move to move to Timaru mm. but if you don't have the houses or the services the health boards can't cope the schools can't cope or well, when you have to wait twice as long for treatment in hospitals well, yeah or you have to travel to Christchurch you have to travel two hours to get somewhere then yeah. why do you it's why would you move there yeah so this is these are all the problems they have to overcome uh so while I was in Gisborne on this you were in oh. <laughs> <laughs> on, my... on, on a navy ship it's like my worst nightmare on a navy it was, ship it was actually your, your worst cold worst we got a navy ship clambering over tussocks. Yeah, penguin poo on my clothes. And yeah, it was fantastic. A million dollar mouse hunt needs some very special mousers. We're dog handlers and we've come to look for mice with our three pest detection dogs. We've got Pippi, she's 15 months old. And uh, we've got Tui and she's 11. And Perry is... Four and a half. This week, the dogs made an 800-kilometre journey south aboard the HMNZS Wellington to the Antipodes Island Group. They were fantastic. They were very they? good. Yeah, they were really good. Heaps of pets from the navy <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah. pe- other people on board. For the next three weeks, the dogs and a team from the Department of Conservation will scar the island's 2,000 hectares for mice. When they do find something, they, their whole character changes and that's a good indication that they're onto something. But the team don't want to find any mice because that would mean a huge $4 million pest control operation has failed. I'm slightly anxious that we not find any mice here because of the huge effort that was put in in 2016 uh, with that big operation to actually get rid of the mice and three helicopters, a big uh, crew of about 13 people, plus the helicopter pilots, the engineers. The public fundraised a million dollars for the eradication, moved by the plight of Antipodes seabirds that were suffering as the mouse population got out of control. The mice have been eating the invertebrates. We've seen slides of mice um, eating the albatross chicks 
There were 200,000 mice here, so it was a massive operation to get rid of them. And if it's pest three, then all the wildlife here will thrive, from the seabirds, the penguins, uh, to the little invertebrates. The team are also monitoring the local wildlife here, including parakeets, elephant and fur seals, and penguins. Researchers spend weeks here in often inhospitable conditions. Temperatures average 8 degrees Celsius. Up to 1,500 millimetres of rain can fall every year, and the islands are ringed by cliffs of up to 150 metres. The results of the mouse hunt will be known in March, and if it has failed, Conservation Minister Eugenie Sage says she'll consider funding another mouse extermination. Not to bore you to death on this, but um, it was an amazing trip. It was an amazing adventure, um, but there was there was a good reason for going. Eugenie Sage uh, went down with the monitoring team that are going to check out to see if the million 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 dollar mice project has worked and I guess that signals the beginning of, of really getting with the rubber hitting the road on Predator 2050. I mean she said that you saw at the end of the track there she said that she will fund um, the antipodes eradication if it doesn't work they're going to move to the Auckland Islands and get rid of the pigs and the cats but there are some really big issues that they need to explore 2025 which is the goal to get all of the outlying islands predator free um, is, is achievable with um, with current it's a big bait. task yeah it's yeah a big it is task. massive but um but if they use current methods um baiting and stuff it, it is achievable it will need investment but 2050 is much more controversial because um they're going to have to start exploring gene drive technology which is which is is essentially genetic engineering in, in a sense and we all know how new, many new zealanders feel about that and it's, so it's a public conversation they're going to have and she is she's very conscious the government is very conscious that if they're going to achieve 2050 that they're going to have to explore these kind of frankenstein technologies which are really really in the very early stages and they would have to invest in it they need private enterprise and things so um so it's a, as eugenie sage says herself it's a public conversation they're gonna uncomfortable conversation they're gonna have to have they're almost using the antipodes as a test I guess as a as a trial run to see if it works there yeah what can they do elsewhere absolutely right? it wasn't um and I, I think this actually came the genesis of this came before predator 2050 but I guess it's a good way to start I'm, I might be wrong on that timeline but it's a it's a good way to see if it works and of course the idea of having us the media go down there is to see the tangible benefits so you get up close and personal with the penguins and the albatross and and the parakeets. You just wanted to see the penguins. I was yeah <laughs> so many penguins <laughs> yeah but it, yeah it's interesting and, and um I think the bigger picture stuff is is the way that um, that Labour is now grappling with these um, marine conservation um, issues. Are they going to create more sanctuaries? Are they? And then what are they going to do about the fishing industry? Like Stuart Nash's fisheries minister has a really hard road ahead of them. How do they balance the greens um, and the expectations on the greens in this marine space? And so um, I gather there've been a lot of meetings between the the marine ministers, as they call them, just really grappling with these issues. So uh, it's not it's not it's going to be a hu huge issue on the political agenda, but it is definitely of interest to a lot of people and, and clearly the fishing industry and the, and i mean what people aren't going to criticize what they're doing on the antipodes it's the wide issues around it that really uh, where the focus will come on it yeah and and you know even when i was down there i had tweets and things from people not when i was down there because there's no internet access but when i got back you know, people and even some of the navy guys were asking about the use of bait because 1080 it's just People really controversial, are, yeah. are hugely controversial. It's yeah, and pe people are always conscious of that. So then, when you start introducing these new technologies, even more controversial technologies, um, yeah, fascinating. I know it's not your area, but I, I love it. <laughs>
I'd like to see the penguins. It's the cold and the... Well, I was going to bring you one Clem. back. But, but you apparently you're not allowed. No, she wouldn't let me, so... <laughs> yes, me do with the a thousand photos I took. Every day, a different penguin being tweeted by Andrea. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's us for this week. Uh, more national leadership stuff. We go into a parliament recess for two weeks, which is And you're is off great. to Australia. Oh, and yes, the big issue is, is uh, Jacinda Ardern is off to Australia for less than 24 hours to meet with Malcolm Turnbull. Um, this is that annual go? meeting. Well, they're all going to be all matey, aren't they? Mm-hmm. But there has, is a number of issues. And when I did try to ask her earlier in the week about those issues with the Australian-New Zealand relationship, she totally brushed me off and said there wasn't an issue yeah, at all. They're really... Which is so disingenuous because Labour spent years <laughs> criticising um, the way the government and the issues with Australia, but all of a sudden apparently they're best mates and it's no issue. So, yeah, because well, in fact tells them. Yeah, <laughs> tells and them they that. have to say that. But what and do you think the big, what do you think um, when they're in that conversation, what do you think the big issue's going to be? Well, they're going to be talking, the CPTPP, North Korea, all those regional issues, I think they will try and focus on that high level stuff. I don't think, you know, you have to wonder whether Jacinda Ardern will even bring up those more localised Kiwi issues. She seems to be saying, you know, some of those issues around student loans, for instance, in Australia have mm. been fixed. And so but there's still a wider issue of Kiwi's of the, rights. Of and Kiwi Labor rights and refugees. And, and, and 501s. Yeah, Ke- the Kevin was on the yeah. TV every day about 501s. Yeah, and, and those who the police said last week 40% of those Kiwis who've been, well, Australians who've been turned, returned here back to New Zealand, 40% of them have gone on to commit crimes here. So it's actually an issue and it's a big issue for the mm. police in New Zealand yep. that Australia are dumping the, who and some corrections them essentially and corrections as well yeah. Yeah, dumping them back here and so you have to say well Jacinda Ardern should be bringing those issues up with Malcolm Turnbull she's speaking to an Australian New Zealand lunch you can't see them wanting to talk about that publicly oh anymore. no they're going to be very polite but yeah. um, so when Julie Bishop was here obviously Winston did the big splashy dinner party and Jacinda came around in her slippers for a cosy chat and then they went to Waiheke I think they're allowed to call them slippers they're all birds shoes no they were totally slippers (laughs) (laughs) and they went to Waiheke Island so she'll be wearing her pyjamas we're not allowed to talk about shoes Um, this is what happens this is what happens when you need a woman the media (laughs) you know Um, don't worry Ron Mark called me aggressive yesterday so we're okay (laughs) Um, so so do you think that they'll lay on that kind of hospitality Oh, I think so. They will. They'll go all out. This. She, in fact, Jacinda Ardern has three hours of Australian media commitments. Which, given what we've said with this fuss about the sixty minutes oh, interview this week, which there. we don't want to talk about, but but three hours of Australian set aside at the wow. end of her day Do you on get Friday. Three hours? We certainly don't get three hours. Of, um, <laughs> we get three questions to Jacinda Ardern <laughs> and Malcolm Turnbull. In fact, we certainly don't get three hours. Uh, so that's interesting. That's almost a media blitz over there. But it shows how interested the Australian media are in her because I can't yeah. remember on any of these trips before, them having a, a set aside that amount of time oh, to do international media commitments. So, so do you think, because Turnbull and Key went kayaking, so I'm sure Jacinda would be too keen to get I in a kayak. I don't think but she's going to be kayaking. No. She did claim it on and off a boat in Gisborne last week. Though, oh, so we'll see. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that there's just a meeting at uh, with Malcolm Turnbull and then a press conference and then the speech to a lunch and then the three hours of Australian no, run with Julie Bishop. I don't think like so. That. And then we're off, then we're gone. So A whirlwind trip. It'll be yeah. really interesting. We'll talk about it when you get back next week. Great to have you with us. This was Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories that we've been covering on One News. It's available every Thursday night from 7.30 on the One News Facebook page, iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks very much. Thank you. See you next week.